for me, you know what I'm saying? I ain't got no money, I'm broke. The ad is hot and they can't get no money. A, a nigga just be like, yo, the fuck, if I was dead, I wouldn't have to worry about nothing. I could just, just lay up, either I'd be in heaven or hell, I'd just be laying the fuck up, just chilling. I wouldn't have to worry about no problems. That's what I was on. I wasn't on no killing myself shit. I was just saying if I was dead, I'd be a lot better off. And sometimes I still be feeling like that. That's why I laugh when I hear that whack-ass verse. That shit was the worst rhyme I ever heard in my life. Because the greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Driving in the Dark. This is something I mean to record for a while. I was supposed to have it up Monday, but then I realized what week it was. It's the week of March 9th. As you just heard, as Cannabis has said, the greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. So today is the 19th anniversary of the senseless murder of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. the King of New York, a.k.a. the Black Frank White, a.k.a. the Rap Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, An amazing hip-hop artist, MC, songwriter all around from Brooklyn, New York. And, um, initially the, like my plan was to record this because, um, a couple weeks ago I was a guest on the great albums podcast. Definitely check them out on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, they're active on Twitter quite a bit. So follow them there. And I went on uh, their show to talk about ready to die. The, that episode's not out yet. I mean, we ran really long, so I'm sure there's lots of editing and stuff to be done. I got pretty scatterbrained throughout it. So there's plenty to cut. And, uh, I sort of decided to do this as a supplement to that, like if if someone hears the great albums um, episode about Ready to Die, you can come listen to this and get a little bit more of my perspective on Biggie, if you'd so like. But, you know, it's also, it's March 9th, so I'm going to be talking about Biggie today, because what else can any, can anyone think about on March 9th? It's one of the saddest days in music history. Um... I'm not going to rattle people's cages by comparing it to John Lennon being killed or whatever. Because it was more important than John Lennon being killed. It's fucking Biggie, man. But, um, sorry, I'm not fucking funny. Alright, what I'm going to be doing in this is breaking down uh, 10 or 12, probably like a dozen, notorious B.I.G. songs that I'm just calling The Essentials. This is basically a playlist with me describing each of these songs. And it's not going to be in any particular order. But the idea of this is if you're someone who hasn't really listened to Biggie, or you have and you don't really get it, or whatever it is, maybe you're too young, so, you know, by the time you were born, Big was killed already. Um, Or perhaps you just missed him when he was out, or he's someone you've been meaning to check out. This is not Big's 12 Greatest Hits. This is not... Uh, the Driving in the Dark list of my personal favorite Biggie songs. The idea of this is if you take these like 12 songs and you put them in a playlist and you listen to them, by the end of that playlist, you will get it. I'm not saying you'll love Biggie, but you'll get what it was about him that makes him so extremely captivating, so legendary, um, and... Perhaps you'll even get why he was the greatest rapper of all time. Which, um, you know, let's be real, he was. Uh, We haven't seen anyone like him since. And he was kind of um, 
the fusion of every all the best elements of everything that came before him. He was really good at bringing together his influences like that. So, without further ado, uh, let's get into this. If you don't get Biggie, here's 12 songs that'll help you do it. These aren't in a particular order, just kind of as they occur to me or as I've got them written down. Alright, so I'm going to start off with Sky is the Limit from um, Big's second album, Life After Death. Uh, It's a great song. (laughs) Uh, It features 112 on the chorus. It's got a great music video you can check out as well. Sky is the Limit is sort of... um, is a sort of an optimistic popish kind of R&B song with big recounting um his his childhood and talking about his his plans for the future like about how he's trying to get money for his daughter so she don't need no man when she grows up get her a college plan stuff like that it's an extremely catchy song i can listen to this shit, this song for hours on repeat the reason I, I picked Sky is the Limit to be on this playlist is because of the lyricism and the attention to detail, especially in the first verse. I think this is one of the greatest verses perhaps in the history of hip-hop. Just It's so rich and so detailed. I'm going to read you a couple of lyrics and then we can um, move on. Okay. When I was young, I had two pair of leaves. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Well, fellas, flirt. I'm sewing tigers on my shirts and alligators. You want to see the inside? <laughs> I'll see you later. Just great little lyric about a broke young biggie taking shitty generic clothing and sewing logos on them. And No, don't look at the tag. They'll know it's not real. Or one of my personal favorites which for some reason this line is just i have such an affection for it it just is so visual i love it okay where are you oh yeah look at the man ah big man they never try so we rolled with him stole with him i mean loyalty man they bought me milks at lunch the milks was chocolate the cookies butter crunch 88 oshkosh and blue and white dunks past the blunt Love that shit. The cookies butter crunch. That's that's the kind of eye the detail big head. This is also the song um, which, for some reason, this is something people have quoted over and over again in a bunch of different songs. Of course, I love it too. He's got a line he kind of half sings, which says, "My orange box cutter make the world go round." And anyway, <laughs> I hope that that somehow endeared the song to you. Definitely check out "Sky's the Limit." Stellar, stellar record. Um, next up, I'm going to talk about Long Kiss Goodnight, also from Life After Death. And Life After Death, um, excuse me, Long Kiss Goodnight is notable for a couple reasons. One of them is that, contrary to sort of the mythology that was, that was created, the East Coast, West Coast, Tupac versus Biggie beef isn't something that Biggie was really a participant in. Like, I don't need to tell you what Tupac's fucking songs, you know, attacking Biggie were. Like, Hit em Up, everyone fucking knows Hit em Up. A lot of people consider that um, one of the greatest diss songs of all time, and it's pretty fucking brutal. Biggie doesn't really have a diss song about Tupac. It's just not something that's really um, in his catalog. He did his best to stay out of it. 
he did his best to uh, stay above it. And Long Kiss Goodnight is a song that has what people sort of consider a couple sneak disses. This is one of the um, this is one of the few songs where Big is taking some little kind of shots at Tupac. We have one line where he says, I ain't mad at ya, and then, we ain't mad at ya, a reference to um, Tupac's song, I ain't mad at ya, of course. Or also especially um, the line, I heard through the grapevine you got fucked four times, damn that three to nine fucked you up for real though. Sling steals so, as as for remorse we feel no which um, is generally considered to be a reference to the widespread rumors at the time that when Tupac went into jail uh, for his... I can't remember what he was actually convicted on. Basically, he was accused of um, facilitating uh, the gang rape of this woman he knew. And the rumor at the time was that while he was in jail, Tupac himself was raped. And people take this as sort of a little shot in that direction there are little things in here that you like that that you can construe as as shots at tupac it's up to you whether or not you really think you got fucked four times damn that three to nine fucked you up for real though is like a direct shot at tupac but it's about as direct as you get in big's catalog but what i really my my favorite thing about this song and it's a comparison i use a lot is actually the first verse because it's sort of it's extremely funny and it's extremely self-deprecating and it's big sort of just like taking a shit on himself and his friends as a way of coping with unhappiness i always like to compare long kiss goodnight to the song through the wire by uh, kanye west through the wire was sort of his one of his breakout songs he recorded it in the hospital after, you know, he went out driving in, like, his fancy new car on a rainy night, crashed his, shattered his jaw, his jaw was all wired up, and you can hear it in the song, and it's, it's a fairly, it's a sad personal song, and I like to tell people, okay, listen to Through the Wire, and compare the way Kanye handled his car crash to the way Big handled his car crash. Because by the end of his life, Biggie was um, on top of having, you know, like a lazy eye and, and you know, beast and all that. He was actually using a cane. Um, his friend slash weed carrier slash junior mafia group member, Lil C's, was like Big's driver. Biggie never got a driver's license. He never learned how to drive. People just drove him around. And if you look for it, there's a really funny DJ Premier interview where Primo talks about being in the studio with Big, and then Big being like, I'm ready to go, and like going out in the parking lot, and Primo came out, and Big had just been sitting in the van for like an hour, because he couldn't drive. But um, anyway, uh, towards the end of his life, Big was in a car crash, and, um, when Lil C's was driving him, the road was slick, it was raining, and they like ran off the road or something, and Big was hurt pretty bad, so he's had to start walking with a cane. And just look at the opening lyrics in this song. How did Biggie handle his car crash? Did he feel bad for himself? Did he talk about the pain? Did he talk about his recovery? No, here's what he did. Oh, and uh, I suppose I should mention that that car crash that Big was in, uh, Lil C's, when he was driving, smacked all his front teeth out on the steering wheel. Which gives a little more context to this. Okay, so here's how Big talked about that car accident. 
I make your mouthpiece obese like Della Reese. When I release, you lose teeth like little C's. Please, blood floods your dungarees, and that's just the half of my war path. And then we get a little bit further in the song, and he goes, uh, You still tickle me. I used to be as strong as Rippleby, till Lil C's crippled me. <laughs> I used to be as strong as Rippleby, till Lil C's crippled me. He's, that was a serious fucking car accident, and Biggs just just willing to make a joke out of it, because he didn't take stuff that seriously like that. And <laughs> Lil C's crippled me, man. Oh, shit. He's, Big was just so funny, and that really comes through on this song. Everything about Long Kiss Goodnight is really good, but I especially love those little references to his car crash. All right, moving on. Um, I'd like to talk about what's what is personally my favorite Biggie song of all time, and that is "Somebody's Got to Die," also from Life After Death. Sorry, I don't I don't mean to stack this with Life After Death. It's just when I was making the playlist, I went through that album first. But all right, "Somebody's Got to Die" is the opener on Life After Death. Um, it's a storytelling track. And it's sort of a one-song case for why Piggy could legitimately call himself the rap Alfred Hitchcock. It's it's a brilliant story. I remember hearing this when I was a kid, maybe like 11 or 12 or something, and having nightmares after the first time I heard it. Um, and just, holy shit. The first time I heard it. And I'll be real, this song still fucks me up every time I listen to it, and that's probably why my favorite it's my favorite because every time I listen to it, it still works uh, just as well for me. So basically, to you know, spoiler alert, I'm gonna spoil the ending of this three-minute song. Um, basically, the story of somebody's got to die is that Biggie. It sort of mirrors the song "Warning" from "Ready to Die." Biggie is like in his house, and he's this famous rapper, and everything's good, and he's all comfortable. And uh, he's, like, with a woman or something. And an old friend of his from, like, the neighborhood shows up at the door and tells him, you know, your friend got killed. And he's like, what? And he tells him that um, this dude got killed. Uh, C-Rock got killed. And Big's just like, whoa, shit. And then, and then even though he's famous and successful, he says, you know, Puff won't even know what happened if it's done smoothly. Silences on the Uzi. And he decides that he's going to, even though he's this, you know, soft, rich guy now, he's going to leave his house and head back to the hood to go murder the guy who killed his friend, C-Rock. And that brings us into the chorus, which is, Somebody got to die. If I go, you gotta go. Somebody got to die. Let the gunshots blow. And they sort of creep up on the guy. Uh, Big's friend tells Biggie the whole story of everything that happened, and it's interesting because Big's dead friend, C-Rock, comes off as a real piece of shit in the story. He, um, Big's friend describes C-Rock, um, like, taping up the guy's wife, smacking up the kids with, like, the the handle on his pistol, 
um, being a real piece of shit and like robbing him and stuff. And you really kind of get the impression that Sea Rock deserved to die. And there's really no re there's like no real, there's nothing here to really avenge because Big's friend did something terrible and got exactly what he deserved. And Big's a rapper now. He's not even, even if this were uh, some injustice, there's not really um, a case to be made for why he should be trying to handle this shit like himself or whatever. And so as we move on, um, Big gets more and more arrogant. In a way, he's sort of more and more believing his own hype, believing his own mythology as this big, tough, swaggering gangster who's always got an Uzi in attack and, you know, is going to kill everybody and give me the loot, give me the loot, and all that shit. And so Big's kind of talking down to his friends in the car like, see, people like you do 10-year bids, miss the guy that they want, murder innocent kids. <laughs> Not I. One guy's in my eyes. That's Jason. They know Slug's gonna be wasted. And he's sort of instructing them on, okay, okay alright guys, get your mask on, be careful. Alright, you got, look guys, I know that, look, people like you, you guys are just some fucking stick-up kids. You're, you, you'd fuck this up without me, okay? Just don't cause me any problems. Just do what I say. We'll get in, we'll get out, I'll go back home to my lady. Alright? Don't fuck this up for me. I'm the gangster here. You're just some fucking kids, alright? And they pull up to where this guy, Jason, who killed C-Rock, is standing. And uh, I open up the door. Ayo, playboy! And Big jumps out, squeezes six shots off, and Jason, they, they hit him, but the guy turns around holding his infant daughter. And that's where the story ends. And there's this sickening sound effect in the background of just blood lapping into the sewers and of a baby crying. And it's a great song where Big's hubris sort of destroys him. Because this murder is not something he had to do. It's not something he should have done. It's not something he was capable of executing properly. But he just thought, he was just like... Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm from the streets. I'm a gangster, um, and he's not a part of that world anymore. He's this big famous rapper. He, there's no reason he'd be doing dumb shit like this. He's just so arrogant, so full of hubris, uh, so delusional, and in a sense, almost you get the impression like he just wants to prove himself, or he just feels like he's just able to get away with anything. So he pursues avenging his terrible piece of shit friend who had it coming. And in the end, as a result of this stupid, arrogant attitude of Biggs, this infant child is shot to pieces while her father is holding her. Which is doubly fucked up because Big had a young daughter. The, the baby on the cover of Ready to Die is Big's daughter. And it's... Of extremely smart song, especially the chorus, which is just somebody's got to die. The whole point of the song, the more you listen to it, is that no, nobody had to die. Nobody had to die. But Big's character has this mentality of somebody's got to die. And that's a, it's a fool's errand. It's a, 
it's delusional, and as a result, horrible tragedy occurs. It's very smart, disturbing, brilliant story. I'll try to put a link in the description if I can find it, but there is some blog out there that sort of um, broke down this song as sort of a story, as sort of a philosophical construct. That goes, it's very smart about why this song is so great. The guy totally got it, whoever wrote it. Maybe it was a woman, I can't remember. I do also want to point out at the beginning, when we first encounter Biggie in this song, he says, I'm sitting in the crib dreaming about Learjets and Coops, the way Salt shoots, and how to sell records like Snoop. Oops. Another great example of Big Sense of Humor, which is so funny, because this was recorded like right during or right after this massive East Coast, West Coast feud that results in Tupac being murdered. But Big shouts out Snoop Dogg, him and Tupac's mutual friend from the West Coast, on the first song on his album. And then, to make the jo- to make it funnier, <laughs> there's a little ad lib in the background of him going, oops, because he's like, oh yeah, I know, I'm not supposed to be shouting out guys from the West Coast, but you know what, I love Snoop. It's a very sweet, funny little moment, a great detail. And uh, Big actually played this song for Snoop uh, before he died. And uh, Snoop and Big always had love for each other. Little little things like that are... It's just a great, subtle little thing. Anyway, that's Somebody's Got to Die. Uh, moving on. Another song from Life After Death. Um, I got a story to tell. Uh, this is a great... One of Big's most iconic stories. It's It's not dark like Somebody's Got to Die. The story of this is pretty easy, easy to sum up. Um, Big is having sex with some famous basketball player's wife. All going great. And then, what do you know? The guy shows up early. They, didn't, they weren't expecting him home, but the guy comes in his house and says, Honey, I'm home. They're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. We can't let him. She's like, oh, I can't. I can't let my husband catch me cheating with you, Big. And so Big like grabs his gun. And he's like, I don't want to. I don't want to shoot this guy. But if something happens, and the guy starts coming up the stairs, and the lady's like, "Honey, honey, can you go downstairs and give me something to drink, please? Thank you, thank you." And so the guy goes back downstairs, and Big's like, "Oh," and then he gets an idea. He grabs the pillowcase off the bed and like puts it over his head, and he like ties up the lady the wife, and so when the guy comes back upstairs and opens the door, he doesn't see Biggie and his wife cheating on him. What he sees is his tied-up wife being robbed by some big scary dude with a pillowcase on his head, and the guy's like, ah! And he freaks out and starts crying, and he runs and opens up his safe and gives Big all his money and shit, and Big's like, huh! (laughs) And he leaves. (laughs) So... Big's having sex with this guy's wife, and then he pretends it's a robbery to get out as a way to prevent him and the wife from getting in trouble for, like, cheating. And he gets a bunch of money out of it in, like, this accidental robbery. It's very, it's a very funny, very smartly written song. One of the most notable things about I Got a Story to Tell is that the story is actually told twice, which is what makes the song brilliant in a way. First, we get Big rapping the entire story to us. Of course, it's great. But then afterwards, 
we just hear Big in a normal voice just talking, telling the story just like normally without rhyming or anything, just telling it to his friends. And it's really cool because we hear the same story as an, as art, as a song, as a bunch of rhymes, and also just as a story you would tell to, tell your friends or whatever. And it sort of, sort of illustrates the craft that Biggie had. Because the story works both ways, but it works better as this song. But um, it's cool just to hear the contrast between just him telling the story and him crafting um, this funny, brilliant song. And um, that's about all I think I've got to say about I Got a Story to Tell. Again, great song. Of course, all these are. I don't know why I keep repeating myself. Next, I believe... uh, the la- maybe the last song uh, from Life After Death I'm going to do Play a Hater and this um, if you're a Biggie fan listening to this you might be a little bit like player hater but hear me out on this one I love this song this is one of my favorite big songs and this is a great example again of his sense of humor and his intelligence this song is a full on satire uh, sort of making fun of these sort of Loverman R&B uh, songs where Big sort of is kind of singing and uh, you know we need this money and you yeah baby you should just roll with me let's go off together on this Robin spree We'll make money. Play a hater. Turn your head round. Take off that crown. You've been robbed. It's very, it's very funny. And what's really funny about it is fucking <laughs> is fucking Puff Daddy on this song. His big could kind of sing, but Puffy it goes all the way out. As funny as Big is being on the song and the way he's singing and everything, he's the straight man. Throughout this in the background, we hear fucking Puff Daddy doing his sort of funny impression of a singer. He's like, Play It's fucking nails on a chalkboard, and it's so goddamn funny. I just, like, break down in tears laughing whenever I listen to this fucking song. And how many rappers can you think of that would do something like this? Like, do a sung parody. This is just a straight-up comedy song. Just making fun of R&B motherfuckers. Putting a little twist of violence and just cranking up everything to be as ridiculous as possible. Uh, Player Hater, just fucking hilarious. Ugh. All right. <laughs> God, I love that. Oh, sorry. I love that fucking song. Uh, but let's move on. Next, I want to talk about Things Done Changed uh, from Biggie's first album, Ready to Die. This is uh, the first song on the album after the intro. And it's the story of Big sort of coming back home from prison after a, a bid he'd done. And looking at his environments, um, looking at Bedford-Stuyvesant, looking at Brooklyn, and sort of being like, damn, things are different. Sort of con- 
creating a contrast between these uh, idealized memories he has of his childhood and of people just, um, you know, having barbecues and playing games and having fun and just being this healthy environment to his neighborhood post-crack being a place where people are just murdering each other and children are getting involved uh, in crime and in drugs and he's it's one of it's one of his only songs where he's sort of playing the bystander and just looking around describing stuff he's not really an active participant in the particular story he tells until the very end of it there are a lot of other hip hop songs that are that are kind of like this like uh things done changed but um this is this may be the best of its kind I'm not going to say too much more about it because I did discuss this song on the Great Albums podcast and I don't want to spoil that episode or whatever. One thing I will highlight on here, aside from the lyric, uh, um, back in the days our parents used to take care of us, look at them now, they're even fucking scared of us. Great line. One of Jay-Z's favorite big lines, incidentally. Um, one of the great things about Ready to Die and about this song is the way it sort of transcended geography. If you listen to other New York albums sort of of the period, whether that's Mob Deep's The Infamous or Nas's Illmatic, um, which Ilma- Infamous came out after, but you know what I mean, or Enter the Wu-Tang, they're very geographically specific songs. Um, they're Staten Island, they're the Bronx, they're Brooklyn, they're Queensbridge, they're this specific side of the street in Queensbridge. Ready to Die, the album, doesn't really deal with geography that much, and Things Done Changed is the only song that's really about a place. The rest of the song is very character-driven. It's about all these different characters and personas and stuff. This, and Big called this his Brooklyn song. And it's smart the way he sort of introduces his neighborhood on the first song on his album, and then moves beyond it. This song is him transcending geography and neighborhood in a way that a lot of his contemporaries didn't. And you can see it in the lyrics themselves, because the court, the title, Things Done Changed, it begins with him repeating that as he describes different things in the environment. Um, parents calling the city because they can't maintain, keep track of their kids. Um, and you know, people getting shot, damn, things done changed, all that, but at the end of the third verse, Big suddenly stops describing the environment, stops talking about a collective, talking about a neighborhood, and says, shit, my mama got cancer in her breast, don't ask me why, I'm motherfucking stressed, things done changed. So the beginning of the song, he's talking about how things changed in his neighborhood, and at the end of the song, so fucking personal. So at the beginning of the song, we have this this beautiful, rich, panoramic view of his badly damaged neighborhood and environment. And by the end of it, that becomes a picture of one badly damaged human being. It's very smart the way he, um, him doing that, that sort of little hat trick of going from talking about the neighborhood to talking about himself... Sets up a lot of stuff he does in that album. Um, this is a classic song. And it's all, also, uh, he samples Dr. Dre on it, which sort of showed how fucking smart a lot of the stuff he was doing on Ready to Die was. Because it was, uh, he 
he was entirely willing to borrow something good from the from the West Coast. Very fucking smart of him. And that is Things Done Changed. Check that fucking song out. Alright, next up I want to talk about <clears throat> the song Brooklyn's Finest, which is actually a Jay-Z song uh, featuring Biggie. It was on Jay-Z's debut album, 1996. Reasonable Doubt, a classic in its own right. This, The reason I selected this song is a little bit similar to why I selected... Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, like how I compared Long Kiss Goodnight to Through the Wire by Kanye West. Um, there's really one specific lyric on here that I really gotta point out that Big did, and he's sort of like, it's like, he went there, no one else would go there, alright? Um, but first off, in general, this is just an all-around great song. Big does his thing, Jay, of course, does his thing, too. Uh, Biggie's, as always, got those little fucking details, like... He's going to shoot your daughter in the calf muscle <laughs> and afterwards sprinkle cocaine on the floor, make it drug related. Uh. Uh, lots of great shit. But the main thing in, to that makes this song so great is that Tupac, when he was dissing Biggie, claimed that he had fucked Big's wife, Faith Evans. All right. Now, when Jay-Z and Nas were beefing, Jay-Z claimed that he had fucked uh, Nas's baby mama and had this really infamously gross line about leaving condoms on your baby seat. And Nas responded to that with his, with like a song on God's Son about, I need a bitch that I can trust that won't fuck with my enemies. Some shit like that. And that's a pretty typical rap kind of response to someone saying they had sex with your wife or your baby mama or whatever. So the question is, on Brooklyn's Finest, how did Biggie respond to Tupac's allegations that he had sex with Big's wife, Faith Evans? All right. <laughs> Me and Gutter had two spots. The two for five dollar hits the blue tops. Gotta go. Coolio means is getting too hot. If Faye had twins, she'd probably have two pox. Get it? Two pox? <laughs> oh, <laughs> if Faith had twins, she'd probably have two pox. Get it? Two pox? Name, name me another fucking rapper out there where if someone claimed they had sex with his wife, he would make a joke about his wife giving birth to his enemy's kids. Who the fuck would do that? <laughs> Biggie. That's pretty much it. Just like with the car crash thing, Big takes a shitty situation and <laughs> makes a joke at his own expense. And it's so funny and so humble and so sweet in its own way. And it's also such a great little fuck you for saying that because I'm mad. <laughs> my, if my wife had twins, she'd probably have two pox. Oh, <laughs> uh, you gotta love that shit. All right, that's all I really have to say um, about Brooklyn's finest. That Tupac line is fucking crazy. Moving on, let's talk about uh, suicidal thoughts, which is the last song on Biggie's first album. Ready to Die. 
Suicidal Thoughts, in a way, sort of takes its inspiration probably from Scarface's song, I'm Dead, from Mr. Scarface's back. Certainly, uh, when Chris Rock did his list of the 25 best hip-hop albums for Rolling Stone, uh, he credited Scarface for the idea of killing yourself at the end of your record. But Big took it a bit further. Scarface's song is about like waking up as a ghost and just figuring out that he's dead and sort of coming to grips with that. Whereas Big's uh, Suicidal Thoughts is um, sort of like a half-skit, half-song, where Puff calls Biggie and uh, on the phone, and, uh, well, Big calls Puff, and Big just sort of rambles over the phone, all these thoughts he's having, and the background, Puff's yelling at him and arguing, like, what the fuck, man, what? Where's your girl? And Big's just rambling off all these terrible things he's done, all these insecurities, and how much he hates himself. And um, at the end of the song, he shoots himself in the head. And you hear this big... And the, the... You hear the phone tone, whatever the fuck that's called. Uh, I forget. <laughs> you hear the dial tone. And um, we hear Big's heartbeat slowly stopping. It's a really great song. It's really dark. Big goes a bit further in this song than almost anyone would be willing to. Uh, like, I especially love the beginning. He talks about, when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell. It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody-goodies dressed in white. I like black Tims and black hoodies. God will probably have me on some real strict shit. No sleeping all day, no getting my dick licked. Fuck that shit, I want to tote guns and shoot dice. He's talking about, like, you know... He's so fucked up that he, if he dies, even if God would like let him into heaven, Biggie belongs in hell. And he lists all this stuff, and it's interesting that the horrible thing he lists that he does, like Exhibit A, in his case against himself, is um, lying to his mother and stealing out her purse, and then he mentions crimes and drugs, and he says, I knew my mother wished she got a fucking abortion. She don't even love me like she did when I was younger. I wonder if I die with tears come to her eyes. Forgive me for my disrespect. Forgive me for my lies. He talks about his baby mama hates him. About how he's worthless and he's just a fucking pothead. And he's just way too stressed out. And um, it's a really dark song. And he contemplates, how do I want to die? And it's time to go. And I deserve it. And I hope I go to hell. It's really dark. It's really well written. Captivating. And a great closer to that album. Um, man, I'm sick of people lying. I'm sick of bitches hawking. Matter of fact, I'm sick of talking. God damn. Alright, next up. It's a heavy song, man. Next up I want to talk about Hypnotize. Which is one of uh, Biggie's big songs. I chose it because it's such a great it's like a big smash blockbuster like pop rap song that's so fucking catchy and danceable and everyone loves. And Big was great at that. And I either could have gone with this song with Hypnotize or I could have gone with Juicy. Um, for me, Hypnotize has... It's not necessarily a better song, but some of the lyrics in it are just so fucking good. Um, 
and of course it's in like kind of the classic hip hop tradition of referencing Lottie Da by Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. The chorus of Biggie Biggie Biggie, can't you see? Sometimes he was just hypnotize me. Is taken straight from uh, Lottie Dottie or the show. I think it's from Lottie Dottie, could be the show, by Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. And the lyrics again here, such great attention to detail. It's amazing the way that Big was able to create this like perfect pop song without um, sacrificing or uh, toning down his raw lyrical ability or turning off the punchlines. Like, one of my favorite lines here is, uh, At my arraignment, note for the plaintiff, your daughter's tied up in a Brooklyn basement. Face it, not guilty. That's how I stay filthy. Richer than Richie. Till y'all come and get me. Great fucking lyric. So many, uh, so many quotables in here. You know? Uh, leave that ass leaking like rappers' demos. Tell them a hose, take their clothes off slowly. Hit them with the force like Gobi Dick, black like Toby. Watch me roam like Romy. Lucky they don't know me. Where the safe, show me. Homie, homie. And uh, <laughs> it's got the great little thing at the beginning or at the end of Somebody's Gonna Die where Puff's just like, take that, take that, take that. Hypnotize, great, great pop song. Great, big, grandiose, just massive, wonderful song. <laughs> great, like fucking summer song you know crack a heineken and listen to this shit the rhyming's not he didn't cut it at all it's just fucking stellar rhyming a great flow hypnotize really shows you how good big's flow was how uh how just smooth and and just like you just love his voice Everything he says just sounds so cool when he's saying it and the way he says it. And what he's saying on this song is funny and well-written and all that. But it's still just a great pop song. Biggie could have it all like that. Have his cake and eat it too, you know? And that's Hypnotize. Uh, Next, I want to highlight Give Me the Loot from Ready to Die. Again, I don't want to talk about this too much because I did discuss it on the Great Albums podcast. I'll let you guys listen to that whenever they get it up. Uh, Give Me the Loot is really cool because of the sort of stylistic thing Big's doing on here, which is portraying two different characters at the same time with two different voices. And this song always tricks people because he's playing himself, but then the, he's playing like this younger, crazy friend of his. And the, the voice he does, without effects or anything, his voice just sounds so completely different that pretty much everyone who listens to this song thinks that there's a guest rapper on here. Yeah, you know? Oh, Big's really good on Give Me the Loot, but who's that other guy that was rapping on there, you know? It reminds me, I think, uh, in like his autobiography or whatever, his memoirs, I think Keith Richards um, wrote about the first time that he heard like Robert Johnson play guitar. And he said something about being blown away by it because he was like, his friend played him Robert Johnson, and Keith was like, yeah, he's he's good, but who's that other guy who's playing? <laughs> and it turned out that um, just listening to Robert Johnson play guitar to Keith Richards sounded like two guys playing at the same time, because he was that fucking good. On this song, Big sounds like two completely different rappers, and he completely uh, embodies both of the characters. There's a lot of shit on here that's just 
this dark, <laughs> this really dark, sinister, fucked up kind of humor. That's it's really funny, but it's also like, damn, man. <laughs> uh, he's, it's got the infamous line on here about, um, I don't give a fuck if you're pregnant. Give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant, or uh, or other shit like. This one's funny. The um, go get your man, bitch. He can get robbed too. Tell him Biggie took it. What the fuck you gonna do? <laughs> Great shit. Great shit. Uh, the two voice thing, um, the style he's using here is so great. Um, the lyrics are really, really vivid, um, and dark and sinister and funny at the same time. Uh, great shit on Gimme the Loot. And then, next song, the One More Chance remix. Well, One More Chance slash Stay With Me parentheses remix. Uh, this is like the single version of One More Chance from Biggie's debut album, Ready to Die. Uh, when I was putting this together, it was kind of between this and Big Papa. They're both um, kind of big sort of lover songs, songs for the ladies, songs made for radio to kind of cross over to an R&B audience. And they're so uh, amazing like that Big was able to do what he did because first off, he was not a handsome man by any stretch of the imagination. He was really fat. He had really dark skin, which is, you know, racist radio, don't love you for that. And he had like this, he had a really bad lazy eye. And somehow just by the power of his music the one more chance remix and big pop and shit like that he made all of that extremely sexy he became a sex icon being uh as he says in this song fat black and ugly as ever you know uh and it's just so unlikely but he the music is just so good the confidence is there the swagger is there the sense of humor is there and when you listen to the One More Chance remix and Big's other kind of lover songs, you just fall in love with the guy. How can how can you not love Big listening to something like this? And you can understand, you know, why women love the Biggie too. <laughs> he was uh, funny and confident and apparently good in bed. <laughs> but I, I went with this over Big Papa, mostly because of that iconic line where he says... Um, let me get the exact yeah where he just says he's fat black and ugly as ever everyone knows that uh everyone knows that line oh wait here we go heartthrob never black and ugly as ever yep and one of his most iconic lines and that he they put that out there pretty fucking bold and he turned it into something that was attractive it's pretty hard to make you know being fat and ugly to make that like the sexiest thing in the world but somehow he managed it with that song alright that's the one more chance remix next I want to talk about kicking the door because I felt like I needed to have a song in this playlist that was just big doing the traditional hip hop just dope beat dope rhymes no bigger concept just boom 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 knocking it out kind of thing and it was between kicking the door uh, from Life After Death, or Unbelievable, from Ready to Die. I talked about Unbelievable on the Great Albums podcast, so I decided to go with uh, Kick in the Door. There's not too much to say about it, but everyone loves this fucking song. You've got a classic DJ premiere beat, 
And you've got Big just fucking rhyming and rhyming and rhyming, you know. Uh, You'll rain on the top with short like leprechauns as I crush so-called Willie's thugs and rapidons. Getting that ass quick fast like Ramadan, it's the rap phenomenon, Don Dada. Fuck Papa, you got to call me Francis M.H. White, intake light tokes, tote iron. Was told in shootouts, stay low and keep firing. Keep extra clips for extra shit. Who's next to flip on that cat with that grip on rap? The most shady. Tell him, Frankie, baby. Ain't no telling where I may be. May see me in D.C. Or Howard Homecoming with my man Capone gumming. Fucking something. You should know my stilo. Went from 10 G's for blow to 30 G's a show. To orgies with hoes i never seen before. So, Jesus, get off the notorious penis before I squeeze and bust. The beef between us, we can settle it with the chrome and metal shit. I make it hot like a kettle get. You delicate, you better get who sent ya. You still pedal shit. I got more rods than great adventure. Boogie, how you gonna do it? Kick in the door, wave in the 4 4. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. Fucking love it. Goddamn. Kick in the door. Great classic fucking song. Uh. And if I'm counting right, that's 12. But I'll do one bonus, um, <laughs> which is Me and My Bitch, which is my favorite song from Ready to Die. Uh, discussed that on the Great Albums podcast. That was one of those where I got super fucking scatterbrained. And I think it was uh, Bill from Great Albums. Actually, after he's like, well, explain why it's your favorite. I was like, nah, nah, nah. he actually like came back and uh, <laughs> like absolutely perfectly described everything good and interesting about the song so listen to that because he told it better than i did um i'm just gonna make this a baker's dozen with me and my bitch because i just have a i have a connection to this song i remember one day like i was i'm a young guy so i was probably five years old four or five when biggie was murdered and some years ago, when maybe I was like, I don't know, 20 or 21, like 20, I remember just being out, and I came home late at night, and I went out and like sat on the back stoop with um, a 40, and just cracked it open, and I was just drinking, listening to Ready to Die, and it started raining, and it was just fucking pouring, I'm just barely out of the rain, um, just a little bit buzzed, and, uh, me and my bitch came on, and I don't, I don't know if it was the rain, or the alcohol, but, um, I got to the, the end of me and my bitch that night, and that closing line when Big just says, they killed my best friend, it was, like, the first time in my life, where I really, really, truly, deeply um, processed that Big was gone forever. I was just sitting there with my uh, Miller, high life probably, with watching the rain come down, and they killed my best friend. And I've, I'll be honest, I started crying. Um, And so I just sat there for probably a good hour, Finishing my beer, um, listening to me and my bitch on repeat crying because it was obviously I knew Big Big was dead, he was gone, but 
for some reason, just at that specific moment, listening to me and my bitch, it just all hit me at once, and I broke down and cried um, for Biggie. Um, and that's it. This is March 9th. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's March 9th. 19th anniversary of Biggie's passing. Um, rest in peace, Biggie. You know, I hope you get, I hope this playlist, uh, gives you guys something. If you're not a big fan already, really everyone should buy Big's two albums because he only made two Ready to Die and Life After Death. They're both classics, near perfect front to back. Great fucking albums. And, uh, I don't know, keep his family and friends in your thoughts today, and play the music. Because, you know, like, pretentious assholes like me can talk about, uh, can talk forever about fucking somebody's got to die and things done change and stuff, or like intellectualize why it's good, or people can just say, oh, he's the best, and you'll, I'm sure you'll be seeing dozens, if you haven't already, dozens and dozens of clickbait articles on your Twitter feed, or on Facebook, or whatever, about how great Big is, or just people building a mythology out of a man, and the thing about Big is, yeah, he was great, he was incredible at what he did, his two albums are both stone classics. Um, he changed the pop culture landscape. He changed hip-hop. He changed the way everyone did everything. He was a, extremely important and intelligent. But at the end of the day, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that are smart and intelligent and game-changing. But Big is so fun to listen to. Ready to Die and Life After Death are an absolute blast. They're impossible not to love. And so just, I would, you know, listen to these songs that I've laid out here. This little 12, 13 song playlist. If you want to just get up on big, sort of ease yourself into it. But if you don't own Ready to Die and Life After Death... Uh, I think you owe it to yourself to go listen to them because, you know, you deserve it. And it is a very sad day today. Uh, you know, what more can you really say? We'll always love you, Big Papa. I'll be missing you. This has been Driving in the Dark. You can follow me on Twitter at DITD Podcast. You can follow me on SoundCloud. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Driving in the Dark. Or if you search Driving in the Dark on YouTube, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, rest in peace, Biggie. And uh, love to Miss Wallace and all the friends and family and millions of fans who who miss him every day. This has been Driving in the Dark, and if you don't know, 
Now you know. Thank you, everybody.